Greetings to our fine podcast audience. Thanks Hello. for joining us. Here we are. That was a different start than normal. It was. Okay. Greetings to our fine podcast audience. I'm trying audience. not to be boring in the And same. those that are hey, here yeah. just to complain. Well, yeah. Yeah, I would You're also like to I say a great... those in the audience. Well, I, I, they are. And are they fine as well? Sure. We're fine with criticism. And we are. Yeah. Well, we have we to We get be. it all. We have, we have to. to be. Yes, we right. have to. So bring it. Bring it bring on. Bring it on. Bring on the criticism. Bring it on. We, we, we're big boys. We can take it. We are. So, all right. Everybody doing okay? I am. I'm yeah. doing good. What I you drinking awesome. there, Nathan? I got some uh, Mandarin Orange Splash. Wow. That's awesome. That camera there. Okay. I have a uh, leftover Yeti. We have lots of these, and I just say... People um, leaving us cups, huh? Uh, they, I mean... This and Bibles are the most popular <laughs> things. Yeah. You know, things they don't use much. Things people don't. They, somebody spent a lot of money on this and an engraved Bible, uh-huh. and both of them get left here a lot. Well, so I go. haven't bought a Bible in years. I just use what gets left go. here until people don't. And, Nor a cup. And cups. Yeah, I have several of these. Cups. I just, and people finally, this says wildly stronger. Yeti, is that their thing? I have no idea. I don't know. Wildly more expensive, I know that. Frigid yes. tough on the other side, built for go. the wild. Somebody's going to claim that. They're gonna, I'm okay, that's fine. Gonna, we I have this if cup. you want it. Okay. It's here. All right. I got seven more. Yeah. <laughs> Come get other it. people have left. <laughs> All right. That's just what I'm drinking out of today. All right. Well, let's jump right on in, fellas. All right. Um, <laughs> I have some questions today. Um, questions. I still have a little bit of cough. I'm sorry. Well, I was going to mention your voice is back. My so voice is I forgot back, to mention, but that. I have a little bit of a cough. That's okay. I'm all right. Not, I do not, not have a, the virus. Not a COVID cough. It is not a COVID cough. It's just a cough. Good. So just cough that way. I did. <laughs> I, way. I was trying to cough on Joel. We appreciate it, but he's way over there. He's way over there. Now. He's six feet, so he's good. Yeah, he's more, more than six more feet. Than That's right. right. That's about Okay, so today uh, I brought some questions that often get asked of us as pastors uh, about uh, our church and about some of our uh, practices and beliefs, particularly uh, about a couple of things that are considered sacraments. And so I thought we'd talk about those because people want to know about these a lot. So maybe our audience wants to know. Should we talk about the word sacrament? I would think. I was going to say, maybe Maybe one of us, I don't care who, should define for people who don't know what a sacrament is. Go ahead. Now. We're looking at me. Okay, yeah. Well, so as, as, if you're wrong, we'll just go. I was going to say, correct, yeah. And then I'll uh, say, Jason, you give that a shot, and then I'll give. And then he'll answer. give the correct. No, answer, I'll just give I an guess. answer. So. None of us have the. No, I was going to say, I don't know. Got a phone? He could get it. I you get do it. too. I also have Both a phone. So I could okay. look it up. You can look that up in the. Y'all meantime. look this up and see how correct we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So sacraments are 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 ways. They are things that are originally ordinary objects. So, for example, the things he's talking about today are communion, which is one. So things like bread or uh, wine in the case of Jesus, and they are made sacred mm. by so sacrament sacred by our interaction with them and God's interaction with mm-hmm. them. And it's often this meeting place between human beings and the the sacred or God, right? So in yes. communion, and we'll talk more about this, but we're remembering Jesus' body and blood, but there is something sacred. It's more than just an internal me remembering mm-hmm. it. There is a sacred element to that. Baptism is another one, right? So, mm-hmm. so people have been dunked underwater. All kinds of you. If you take a bath or you get in the <laughs> pool, right? That's an ordinary thing. But uh, the, the purpose of it, plus uh, God instituting it, right, through mm-hmm. Jesus as a sacred thing, means we enter into a um, sacred moment when we do this. Otherwise, what might be considered 
ordinary or even arbitrary to some people. It just seems like a random thing that Christians choose to do. We believe it's more than just a symbolic act that there is something sacred that happens. And you mentioned off the mic uh, before we started of even uh, marriage is often referred to as a sacrament. Yeah, the Catholic Church certainly, and Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't know that we are a low form of Protestantism, which yeah. isn't a criticism. It's a technical mm-hmm. term. And uh, we don't normally talk about it that way, but I, marriage has definitely been sacramental for me. Sure. In, you know, 40 years. So if it, I think of sacraments in terms of a means of grace and not just grace like my sins are forgiven. It's mm-hmm. a way that God does for me what I can't do for myself. Right. And nothing... Nothing has had more of a positive impact on me becoming a person, and this is going to sound wrong to some, so I'll try to say it quickly to get all the way through. The ability to love someone in good and bad times Mm -hmm. because of the nature of the covenant we made and our decision not to walk away from that covenant, Mm -hmm. I have grown to be a more loving person because of that, the sacri- the grace that has come to me to do that and grace that was given to me by my partner to do that right. has changed me. I'm mm-hmm. a different That's person right. than I think I would have been had I decided to be solo. Mm-hmm. Cool. So the two most agreed upon in probably almost every Christian tradition, I'm sure there are some that I'm unaware of, of sacraments that are most upheld are baptism and communion. Yes. Those are the two that I know you have questions for today, yep. but and that's the so two we could just about. take a slight pause there and say, and that's our thoughts on sacraments. That is our thoughts, <laughs> right there. But then we'll go into specific. Yes. Yeah. So speaking of one of those, um, let's talk about baptism for a moment. Uh, let's get into first of all what it is, what it's not, uh, what is okay. its purpose. Um, who wants to take that one first? Uh, what it what it is is. Uh, it's an ordinance, again, much like we already said about sacrament, it's an it's a ordinance that Jesus set aside. It wasn't at all uncommon. He wasn't the right. first. We know That's John right. the Baptist, but the Jewish people baptized all the time. In mm-hmm. fact, if you ever have a chance to go to Israel, you'll still see lots of ancient mikvahs, which are baptistries, although theirs were self-baptisms. And mm-hmm. John and Jesus did begin to change that and that they weren't Mm self-baptisms. So it's an ordinance set aside as a means of grace uh, from God. Mm -hmm. We have often around here when uh, people have asked me about it, um, we've used, you know, illustrations always fall short. But one illustration that has been helpful um, is a marriage ceremony. And we've talked about this for years. There's this... Uh, when you get married to someone, uh, a relationship begins and there is a commitment that is made long before the ceremony takes place. Sure. Um, but nobody ever really considers you married until you go through the ceremony, the ritual of the vows and the exchanging of rings and the whole thing. Uh, and then you are pronounced right. and it makes it official. Now, did something magical happen in that moment that changed that relationship? Mm, not, not technically or physically but it was a it it was a public moment of sealing that commitment and that relationship and then it becoming sort of official and we've often told people that come asking this question that's what baptism uh, functions as it's this moment where you go public with the faith that you already profess and that's why if you've seen us do baptisms here uh, we take uh, someone's confession right before we do that so that they're 
their belief in Jesus and their desire to follow him and make him forgiver of their sins, leader of their life, is now a public thing they profess. Um, and because baptism over the, the centuries has been, a, in lots of cultures, a very risky kind of thing, then now I'm going public with my faith, and that puts me in a new category of being known as a follower of Jesus. And uh, so there's that. That's one illustration that I've often used to describe it. Um, I often tell people this as well, though. We don't necessarily believe that there's magic in the water. Uh, it is not water that saves us. Uh, that's that's all done by uh, Jesus. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's that. It, yeah, but, there's something <clears throat> not magical, but there is... Mm-hmm. God is meeting us in the element when yep. our faith, right. it's really in the faith series we talked about, when my faith connects with God's faithfulness. Mm-hmm. So God said, I'm going to meet you in this moment. And like, again, at a marriage ceremony, there is nothing in the ceremony that makes you stay married. Mm-hmm. But there is a moment where you stand before people that you don't break up quite as easily yeah. when you had your mom and dad come out and you all have all been there and they all saw you promise and you all say it and when you stand in front of a bunch of people and say hey jesus is going to lead my life mm-hmm. there is i think as much for us a means of the grace is is that i i remember what it, i mean it's been 42 years now for me i still remember what it felt like to have that water rush over my head yep. mm-hmm. i still remember what it felt like to come up totally wet uh I remember what it felt like for me because it was a very dramatic thing to feel like, hey, I got a new shot. Mm-hmm. I have a new mm-hmm. shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, that when things are not going great, it does become that moment to me that I remember God met me there and yep. he still meets me there. So mm-hmm. my faith connects with God's faithfulness and he's mm-hmm. there. Nothing magic in the water, nothing magic because the person, you know, I'm one of those people, unfortunately, that the person who baptized me and led me to Christ no longer uh, is it the same place of yeah. faith that they were at that time? Yeah. That doesn't impact me at all. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So. But that, but and you mentioned this, the, the water itself. Uh, there is heavy symbolism in that act of going under and coming out. And I, I often try to do this whenever I'm baptizing somebody because I think Scripture does this so well for us is it reminds us that we are acting out the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. We die to sin. We bury the old person that was. And then we come back just as Jesus rose from the dead with, with a new life. And that's, a, that's an, another sacred thing of us connecting right. to God in the, through the resurrection. It's also a precursor of what will come when we are physically resurrected. And all of that kind of meets right there in the, in the baptism. So. Well, and I think there's, a, there's an element of it, too, when you talk about the, the wedding metaphor. And I think that's a great metaphor. And I think there's an element to it where... It really is this public declaration of allegiance to to Jesus. You know that's why it's, that is why it's controversial in other cultures where maybe it doesn't hit as hard here for us, but it does in other cultures. That the statement of Jesus Christ is Lord, which is what you say when you are baptized, is a political statement in the you know in in every mm-hmm. statement of Jesus and by Christ means King. Right. Jesus is King, therefore nobody else is, yes. and everybody else gets a little tiny t- t- lowercase k on the King, and. It's a statement of allegiance more than we tend to think in terms of religion as this kind of sub part of who who I am, that I have all these different categories. But what Jesus is really calling us to, which is the part of the symbolism of the death, 
burial and resurrection is there is a part of me that was not aligned with Jesus. It is now dead, fully submerged. And the new me, which has been now submerged in this reality of Jesus and his kingdom, I come up fully drenched in that kingdom and I'm a part of that. And so, you know, in a couple of weeks, we're going into the series talking about, and which is going to be uh, intensive for us, of faith and, and politics and our worldview and everything with that. Uh, baptism is so controversial in other places because it's a it it is a public declaration of allegiance of I'm with Jesus, which means everything is secondary to that, everything in my life, and that's why you know when we talk about um, baptism, even in the in the wedding sense of there is some before that, but there is, and I I'll just say I've done youth ministry primarily for the past ten years, twelve years, um, and there is a marked difference, and I know this is true for adults. <laughs> After the moment of baptism, there is a marked difference for for so many people mm-hmm. that I see when I that there is as you mentioned, and it's not magic in the waters, but there is something that opens up to me yes. because it's a step of obedience to God. That when I've been, especially for people, and once again, the reason I talked about youth is we have so many youth here who grew up always believing in Jesus. And so baptism wasn't about whether they believe in Jesus or not. Mm-hmm. They didn't really yeah. have a worldview before that that wasn't. It was the moment where they felt God calling them and calling them and calling them. And finally, at some age, they choose to say, I'm going to take this step of obedience. And it's almost like there's this world, this kingdom that suddenly opens in a way that it wasn't as open before because they've made this public declaration of allegiance of, I'm with you, so whatever you want. And God so much respects our free will. He does not force things on us. He waits until we say, here, I'm open. And so there is nothing, I'm not saying there's anything magic necessarily in the waters, but there is something internally in me. There's there's a mystical element. Absolutely. Absolutely. To all sacramental elements, if we will, there's a mystical, mystical nature to it. Yes. Yes. All right. And, you know, we're going to talk about uh, communion here in a second, but it hit me when we were talking about it and you this is also true of sacraments. Maybe we'll just, I'll, I'll save that for the end if okay. we have time. All right. I had, a, I had another thought. I hope I don't forget it. So that's baptism, right? There. That's baptism. Okay. Um, but I want to do another question related to that because it often comes as a side question to that. <coughs> Particularly for our kind of church. Yes. People want to know about infant baptism because a lot, hmm. of, a lot of people were baptized as babies. and want to know, is that is that the same? Does that count? Is that... Is that okay? And um, one of you guys talk to that issue as well. You, you go ahead. I was just going to say that I've, I've had conversations, and I know you guys have had conversations with people. I, I think the, the easiest way to address it is, once again, it's a, if it's a step of obedience and it's a step of this public declaration of allegiance, then are, we, we subscribe to what we call believer's mm. baptism, which means when I get to a place where I can make that decision for myself— that's the purpose of baptism. The question of is is it okay for for an infant? I, I don't even know. I mean, I don't even know where we want to go on that because I think in in the sense of I get why your parents may have done that for you, yes. right? We do what we call baby um, dedications mm-hmm. here, and I think in that sense, I I would never want to say, well, that's wrong yeah. to have that thought. But because the ultimate goal of it is I want to raise you in Christ and I want to raise you in the church and I want to raise you to have these beliefs. But we believe that the significant baptism is the one that happens when you are saying, for me, I am making this public declaration. So, um, 
that's at least the conversation I've had with many students and even adults who were baptized yeah. as believers of this is not throwing away what your parents no, did for you. Yeah, it's, it's the fulfilling. fulfillment. It's yeah. a fulfillment of Absolutely. what they had always hoped for you. That's the way I always tell people is, is you're not canceling out anything that happened then. You're you're bringing it to its fruition because I know that's what your parents were thinking Absolutely. when they had that uh, done for you. Um so go ahead. Well, I, I was, yeah, I don't, I don't know that I have a whole lot to add. That's all what I, what I say to people too. And I would say, you know, there are occasionally parents and I don't, this is not critical. This is true for us too. There are people that leave our kind of church and they think when you go to any other kind of church, mm-hmm. you're somehow slapping your parents in the face. Mm. So I get where if your parents had you in this one thing and they, they had you baptized that it occasionally feels like rebellion or mm. like you're saying they didn't do good enough but honestly that's that's not where you are and in the end it does have to come down to I'm making my decision mm-hmm. right and I don't I mean I would try to explain to my parents I was baptized as an infant my parents you know mm. we have anyway I was baptized as a an infant and uh, uh, then later you know as an adult decided to and my parents received it because I'd had such dramatic bad life. <laughs> they were so glad I, I turned. But I, I get where parents get on that. Sure. But what I know for sure is the church that they were a part of that instituted infant baptism, whether your parents had it in mind or not, the church that had that, they saw that as a first step, yes. not as a last step. Absolutely. The parents might occasionally might not have had that, but whatever church that was, because I've read all of their documents, they do see that as a first step toward your full decision, mm-hmm. whether in confirmation or something yes. That's right. that you make that decision. So it really is a fulfillment of what that church taught, whether your parents fully understood it or not. Correct. Yes. That this is not some kind of go back on it. But All right. I can see where it would be tense because mm-hmm. I've had that on the other side where somebody in our church left and went to something else and the parents felt somehow betrayed. Yes. Mm. So I thought it would be appropriate at this point to answer this question because this often comes is how do I know when I'm ready and what do I do when I am? Or I think I am ready to be baptized. What would we say to a person? Because there may be some people sure, listening to absolutely. this right now that go, I haven't done that. Maybe that's, maybe that's my next step. Is that my next step? I, and mine are simple. I, you know, I, this is, they're going to do a better job of this. So we're going to, I'm going to go first and <laughs> let them do this. I, I am a, uh, Short sentence, action verb guy. (laughs) So mine is always, are you wanting to say yes to Jesus as Lord of your life? Mm -hmm. And are you willing to do, and are you willing to make that as a commitment for the rest of your life? If those two questions are yes for me, and you're at an age where I know you are capable of me, a four-year-old, one of my granddaughters could say that, and I go, well, tell you what, and, and this is what I did do with all of my kids, I think parents... Christian parents are often too ready to receive the yes. Right. I said to my kids, I said, that's great. Why don't you and I both sleep on it for a week and you bring it back up to me? Mm-hmm. And with all of my kids, I remember particularly with Nathan, uh, I said to Nathan that, and by the time I got to the end of saying, we'll talk about it again, he wanted to talk about something else already. Sure. Right. But then eventually they wouldn't even wait a week. They would wait. They would answer. I mean, the next day they go, Dad, I've been thinking about it. I really got to do this. That for me was proof that the Holy Spirit was Mm -hmm. pulling them, not their dad was pushing them or the church was pushing them. Mm -hmm. Because when the Holy Spirit compels you, 
I'm just saying, you know, nobody's really going to stop you. Yeah. You want to get it done. Yeah. So I say to people, you want to say yes to Jesus, and are you willing to make this a decision for the rest of your life? If at that point you're ready to go, you tell us. We have water uh, at Community Christian every every day. Yes. <laughs> you want to be baptized today? Give mm-hmm. us a call. Yep. We can make that happen. We can. And have. <laughs> and yes, have. Absolutely. We've done baptisms at all time of day <laughs> or night. That's exactly right. So it's it's all good. All right. Let's move to the next one. Uh, oh, and we also in times oh. of COVID, we have portable baptistry. Yeah. I said to somebody online oh, the other yeah. day, have baptistry, we'll travel. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> we will come to you. Well, we're used to that because we used to have portable locations. That's, That's right. exactly We've right. We've been portable exactly for quite some right. time. So. And and this is this will even bubble and be getting oh, warm and everything. It's, it, it pretty quick too. It's It'll awesome, get warm pretty quick. It's awesome hot Particularly tub. now because it's uh, hot outside. It's, it's hot outside. Don't want it's it hot warm. outside. All right. Moving on to the next one. Uh, let's talk about another sacrament. Let's talk about communion. Uh, let's start with uh, the purpose of it. What exactly is that? Um, of course, we know that Jesus instituted this. This was what he gave to his followers on the very last night that, before he died. Um, and he took, as you've already mentioned, Nathan, ordinary symbols, which were actually being purposed for something else at the time. They yeah, were repurposed. Ha- yes, he repurposed. And they were having the Passover meal, which was the reminder of, uh, of course, the Jews being released from slavery out of Egypt and uh, heading off into the promised land and the whole story of Moses and the whole deal. Um, but then Jesus took those elements that they were using to remember that and said, no, now this something new has come. This is my body. This is my blood. And, of course, I believe at that point they weren't quite sure what he was talking about because hmm. they hadn't seen the event that was about to take place. But uh, after the crucifixion, it came very clear uh, that this was something new, something brand new had begun, uh, as, as certainly after the resurrection. So, uh, so we take that around here uh, each week. And uh, you guys got any thoughts on that? Want to explain that a little bit better for folks? I don't know. I think you did a pretty good job. I okay. think you did a great job of wrapping what up it what it is. Okay. You know, we, we say this every single week at CCC, we so we, uh, we, we've we kind of got that little uh, speech down pretty clear. And yes. I mean, so, I, I don't know anything else to add to it. So. Yeah, I guess I don't want to assume that everybody has either watched us online or mm. been at a service. Sure. Yeah, it's simple bread and juice that Jesus set aside. We don't. So I guess the question would be, you know, there are certain kinds of Christians that believe that once it has been broken and blessed, that it becomes the literal body and blood of Jesus. Mm-hmm. We don't believe that. Yeah. Right. We believe that it's always been symbolic and it's symbolic of his body and blood. But again, sacramentally, we believe he meets us there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There is and something mystical about it. Yes. I've had very powerful times in communion where God met me there mm. that uh, if I come with the right mind, mm-hmm. he, he is there. Well, yeah. and there is an element to it. Maybe this is something, I don't know if we want to go into it, but there is an element of it that we've talked about before in services in different ways of that it is communal among believers yeah. too, that it's not just communion with God, but communion with God through other believers mm-hmm. as well. That uh, for the early church, when they would take this, they were literally sitting around a meal table together, yeah. sharing meals together, and they would do what Jesus did, just take the bread and mm-hmm. the wine from the table and, and mm-hmm. partake in that. And so there's an element of remembering not just the body of Christ that is the bread, but also the body of Christ, which is how the early believers referred to the church. 
uh, that that all of us make up the body of Christ. And so uh, there's an element to that that, you know, we, we were talking about there there's um, there was a power to that that reminded me when you talk about powerful experiences. One of the first times I was back in person with other believers mm. after a long time of mm-hmm. getting to see other people take it and mm-hmm. take it, that there's a unity. Yep. But, you know, then there's also power in just because I do a book of uh, common prayer in the morning to do that. And so there's other believers around the world that are praying those same prayers at the same time. And yeah. so even though I'm not in the room with them, once again, when you say mystical, it's hard to explain. There is a when I'm aware of it, when my mind is open to, hey, someone else is praying this, and they may be going through the thing that I feel God is connecting me with them. So even if you're not in person with believers, if you can get your mind in the right space for God to, like you said, meet you there, there is a I had mystical a way you're connected with other believers. I have also, on and off, used the Book in Common Prayer pretty regularly for the last, I don't know, 10, 12 years uh, in my personal time. And... Uh, I've had moments where I'm sitting there and I'm praying and I go, someone is praying this somewhere in the world right now in a language I would not understand. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And God is being worshiped by all of it. And it is a very, it's mm-hmm. a very humbling, fulfilling, uplifting, all of that kind of mm-hmm. experience at the same time. Yeah. So I've, I I've think, also, I'm sorry. No, ahead. I was going to say, I've, I've also had communion in all kinds of places and all different mm-hmm. times and, you know, up on mountains, out in the wilderness, I mean, in, in crowds, alone, and all of these things. And each time, God meets, it hits different oh, yeah. <laughs> every That's time. Sure. It, it's the, and it, But it's always him, and it, it, he's, he meets me. Something. There's, there's, like you said, Nathan, when we came back in person, there was parts of that. It was like, oh, yes, this is, this is much. But then there's also now, because we're distanced, there's a part that I'm missing as well because sure. we're not – not serving one another. That's right. We don't. And many times around here, we've had times when we all come to a table we and say something, say things to one another. We serve one another, and uh, I miss those. Um, so you know, there's there's all of that. But in bringing that all together, all of it is God meeting us in Absolutely. all of those. Now let's talk about this. Uh, a lot of people ask me because they people say I've been to other churches and they don't take communion every week, but mm-hmm. you do. Why do you take communion every single Sunday? You just like it that much, <laughs> or is there? But there's a biblical reason why there we do is. that. You know, we for us, it's it's we see that pattern pretty clearly in the Book of Acts, which is the history of the early church. That that sort of was their pattern, mm-hmm. and uh, we're just trying to follow that pattern as closely as we can. Yes, and I you can I think you can see it in the Bible. I can see where other people say, "Well, you can't see it." it there's no command. No, uh, no there is. There say, is no I would no never command. say to anybody's wrong. Yeah. But if you read the early church writings in the first century or so, it's pretty clear most places took it on the Lord's Day, every mm-hmm. Lord's Day. Some of them took it every time yeah, they got yeah. together because it was mostly house churches, mm-hmm. almost all house churches. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they were taking it together when the, every time they were together. So we, we do it because of that. They did it when there was a part of It's a part of being together with Christians. Mm-hmm. And it's for us, it's just something that we we come together and expect yeah it's for us our community again not right or wrong for other people to do it differently but for us it's just it's something we come together for and you know the resurrection and this is what i was going to talk about sacramentally a minute ago and i know this you know because i had training in it and i forget it and then i remember it that all sacraments do tell the gospel story Mm. of 
the death, the mm-hmm. burial, and the resurrection yes. of Jesus uh, until he comes back. And so they're visible demonstrations, That's right. including, as we talked about marriage, that mm-hmm. we were talking off mic about marriage is supposed to be a marriage where two people love each other and two become one, and mutual submitting to each other demonstrate to the world what God has in his love for his church, the way we are together, right. and that we, you know... <laughs> God loves us no matter what. He's committed to us, and we're committed to him. And, you know, it's a, they are, it's a visible demonstration. So, you know, sometimes people will say to me, uh, you know, in marriage particularly, you know, it doesn't really matter. We're committed to each other. I get it. But it's that visible to the world, I've made this commitment like God has made to me. He gave his life for me, and I committed back to him in baptism. And so we became one. It's not the same if I just do it in secret mm-hmm. and nobody knows. Yeah. It's just in my heart. It yeah. really is. I'm proclaiming to the world a sacramental union. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens in all the sacraments. Yeah. Good. Moving on. Let's talk about Sunday. Nathan, you uh, introduced our brand new series. Really quick series. Two yeah, weeks. Two We're weeks. only going to do two weeks. weeks. So uh, if, you, if you hate it, hey, good. That's we'll right. Be out of we'll be done. We'll be done and, real quick. Uh, this we'll tell you about the other series, which you might hate more. Well, that's yeah. right. No, I was going to dip to that. <laughs> or you might like that. You might like more. I don't, I don't know. know. We'll find out when we get there. <laughs> so we're talking about what we call the good life. And uh, what does that look like? The life of, uh, and of course, you introduced, we believe the good life is found in being the, a disciple of Jesus. And I don't want to talk about the how, because I think that's what you're going to do this Sunday. Yes, that's right. How we do that and how we uh, move into that kind of life. I want to continue doing what I thought you did, an amazing job, especially toward the end of your message Sunday, is painting a picture of what that life looks mm-hmm. like. Because right. um, that, you know, talk about the pearl of great price, that mm-hmm. thing that we, we, we would sell everything to get. And I, and I thought you did an excellent job of just scratching that surface, for, right. for me at least, when I was listening to you. But um, let's paint that picture a little bit more, flesh it out if we can. So here's my question. Considering the cultural moment that we find ourselves in, <laughs> in our world, yeah. um, what does a true disciple, what would a true disciple of Jesus, someone who is pursuing that good life, what would they think? What do they do? What do they feel? And what do they not think, feel, and do? In this, what are the things that come to your mind? Again, in 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 reference of painting that picture of what a disciple's life, the good life, really does look like. You know, I think I think central to the life of a disciple and central to the life of Jesus is this message of the kingdom of God. That for most of my Christian life, I did not get. Uh, I I really had that Christianity was about getting me to heaven in my afterlife. That was particularly what, I, and I and I even thought that's primarily why I yeah. should tell people about Jesus is for their afterlife. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not saying that doesn't play any part of it, but but Jesus' central message was about a kingdom that was present right now that, of course, is eternal because he's eternal, God's eternal, Mm -hmm. his kingdom's going to be eternal, so it does affect our afterlife. Mm -hmm. But there's so much of what he does that is about restoring this world and restoring me to the way God intended things Mm -hmm. to be. And so when you talk about this current cultural moment, you know, I don't even know if it's as much current as it as it always is. 
we just can see, we see it clear yeah. that our world is broken mm-hmm. in every way, shape, and form mm-hmm. from you know the 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 pandemic we're in right now which is just a sign that this world itself is, is broken my, my my daughters and I are in the morning watching this Netflix documentary series called Our Planet I don't know if you've seen this oh, yeah. but hmm. it's just a nature thing they love nature documentaries and kind of central to it um, which once again has kind of become very political so I, I don't I don't mean to step into anything here but is about uh, they go through all these beautiful animals, all these beautiful places in the world, and how, because of the way we have treated our world, mm-hmm. certain things are not the way they should be. Yeah. And frequently they say to me, well, why isn't there enough food? Why isn't there enough? I said to them at one point, do you think God would make a planet where there wasn't enough for us? Mm-hmm. And they said, well, no. Mm-hmm. And I said, then what do you think happened? And <laughs> we they did. Said, yeah, she, <laughs> they said, well, maybe we're not sharing everything we should. And I said, ah. You go, and I. Wow, <laughs> the oldest one's seven or eight. Yeah, so it doesn't. You don't have to be a genius to figure this exactly. answer out. Exactly, yes. exactly. And so, but but I think that's so clear when we're seeing this thing. And of course, then when you get to the the racial injustice, a lot of people are talking about problems not just in in, in our country, but even just po- corruption and things going on in governments and the way that we humans are dealing with things. Mm. You know. God's first command to us was to subdue the earth. And often we have, and I even miss this. I always, I, I, I don't know if I was taught this or not, but I always kind of believe subdue the earth was go do whatever you want. <laughs> You're in charge. Hey, I'm the one. Cause I remember someone saying to me when, when I was talking about, Hey, we should take care of this. And they were like, well, it's, Hey, I'm the one who gets to subdue the earth. And I'm like, yeah. oh, that's such a weird, like if I told my daughters, Hey, go water the plants and they ripped the plants out by the roots. <laughs> and then I said, well, they're like, you told me I could go garden that ultimately, and I'm not, that was not just an environment. I mean, in every sense of the word, God yeah. tells us to take care of people. And then when we mm-hmm. abuse that power, people yeah. who are given authority. So when you talk about this current, I don't know if this is just a current thing. I think our no. constant thought should be, I exist in this world. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is overlapping. And the place it overlaps is where me and God meet. So yes. in yeah. me, I get to be a part of, bringing the kingdom a little more into this world in my relationships with other people. And so I don't know that it's incredibly complex. It's just a matter of what would, what would, what do I see God doing? Well, like you said, it, for me, it, it, it's not that it's any inherently any different. It's just magnified now Mm -hmm. in our current culture. And what it has happened for me is it remind it, I'm constantly being, and it's, it's hard not to say this and not sound like I'm, bragging or tooting my own horn but for me i find myself more and more these days being less affected by the state of the world around me in a way that causes me to fear or to become discombobulated and uh, and 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 i see people around me for whom that is not the case and what I mean by that is I talk to people, I engage with them online and in social media in places, and it just seems that everybody is just, uh, it's, it, they're, they're so anxious and, and afraid and, and about something, about it's something, not all the same thing. No, no it's always something different. And, and my, my more and more, my response is becoming, yeah, but that's, that's not the ultimate reality Mm -hmm. and yeah i get that it's it's a concern and we should do our best and and 
but I'm I'm not going to I'm not going to be shaken by that yeah. because over here in the kingdom <laughs> where I'm living and will eventually forever mm-hmm. be and it, it will it will go on forever I'm o- I'm going to be okay and it's that phrase that we've used that kingdom of God is the safest place for you to live yes. and and I be- I am becoming more and more aware of that and I feel safer which is ironic because I'm told as I go through this world, I should feel less safe. I should feel more anxious. I should be more mm-hmm. concerned and I should be, you know, upset more. And I'm, I'm finding that I'm less so. Mm. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I, I find the same thing that, uh, I'm calmer than I ever been. I, you know, I have moments. Yeah, I would, me too. I would, I would not be telling the truth if I've said on this podcast, I wanted to reach out to, uh, any black people in our congregation who'd be willing to talk to me about their experience just mm. so I could begin to understand and the culpability I felt for not doing more mm. uh, through the years. And I would not be telling the truth if over the last month of experiencing that with people, and that not that's a really bad way to say it, of listening to people talk to me about it, yeah. their experiences, and just... Uh, having a little bit of empathy to hear what they hear and to have um, begin to feel it a little bit that I didn't at times feel like, ah, this place is just not any better. It's Mm -hmm. just not, there's just, you know, it's just a bad, bad place. And I I regularly had to remind myself going in and out of some of those conversations, which I then realized, here's my brothers and sisters. They've been in this and they still seem... You know, why yeah. would it load on me the way it did? And so I'd say to myself that thing that I often say of, you know, God's placed you in his unshakable kingdom, and his kingdom is not in danger. That's right. And neither are you, neither is anyone else that you care about. You, I love the way Nathan was talking about the, the kingdoms, and I've heard that before, but it was something when he did his hands like this, that the kingdom is here and mm-hmm. are here, and the point of contact, really is me and God when me and God are together and I am willing I can crack the barrier between our Mm -hmm. kingdom and that kingdom Mm -hmm. that if I'm willing to God will meet me in my body and I can literally begin to bring kingdom into my my realm and with other people and you and I've experienced this where somebody in a moment takes a risk to me and, you know, I, I can remember the first time I confessed something to a person that I had covered up, an addiction I had, and they go, and, you know, God doesn't hold that against you. And then they looked me in the eye and said, neither do I. Yep. And the fact that somebody else was willing to look, I mean, the kingdom broke in, and I not only felt God's forgiveness, but that another human being felt that for me. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not just normal stuff, man. That's kingdom stuff breaking. The, the distance between heaven and earth got real close. The the monk the whole monk people call those thin places, thin places they're really yeah. thin thin places and if we're willing we are the thin place mm-hmm. yes if we're willing we are the thin place that everywhere we go we can bring the kingdom but i have to be convinced that all the stuff that's going on around me is not the it's not the deal yes yeah. there's a kingdom right here and i'm in it and i can step i can i can step into that kingdom and bring other people as much as they're willing well, and I think I can it, offer them a glimpse, yes. and 
I think it's a matter too, you know, I've, I've, I've heard people, you know, you hear a phrase so many times and you thought you understood it and then suddenly it's like, oh, oh, and it's almost like, oh, it's been sitting there the whole time. I've heard people say, and it was something I said in the message Sunday, I've heard people say over and over, you know, Jesus brought a kingdom and his kingdom was a present reality. And I said, present reality, okay, present reality. Didn't mean anything to me. And then one day it just hit me of the fact that it's a present reality means it's the only truth that exists Mm -hmm. now. What I mean by that is when Jesus says, so in Ephesians, there's a place. I'll just take the kind of racial issues that are going on. When, 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 when in, and it's Paul says in Ephesians, uh, that Jesus broke down the wall of hostility yes. between people. And in Us. that sense, what he's talking about is to the Greeks and the Jews, these ethnicities. And I don't think I'd ever heard anyone explain this, but the word for Gentile that uh, in Greek is ethnos, which is the word we translate to ethnicity. So it's a hundred percent. We often end up speaking about it. Like, well, that's a religious thing. And they're talking about religion. That's they are 100% specifically racial. Talking, yeah. yeah. They're talking about this ethnic difference. And when he says there's, he broke down this, what that, and I often hear people say this, and I just saw someone post about it. It was so true. Someone who's a Christian working on racial justice said, we don't have to, we don't have to build racial unity between people it is a present reality we have to manifest it mm. and i thought the di- and i thought that's so true we do see oh there's there's all these different races and we're all so just combative and sure that is true when you look at the kingdom of our world there is this but what jesus brings is that there is a deeper reality that is right presently here jesus said it is come near and like in Jesus' life, Jesus was was the first human to live in the kingdom of heaven and in the kingdom of earth at the same Every time. Every moment, yeah. And that's why he was manifesting things that we would look at and go, "Oh my, that's totally divine." It's mm-hmm. God. We, we, you know, we. I always said as a kid, like, "Oh, that's his Jesus powers." Mm-hmm. It really was Jesus just stepping in between both realities. Mm-hmm. He was going, "Hey, sickness doesn't exist in the kingdom of God." I have manifested it that it doesn't happen here. And he has an ability, and because he was God, he had a greater ability than than, than uh, any of us have. But in this sense of those kind of things, and I've had this in issues of forgiveness, of when we had that Imagine Heaven series where people were talking about their feelings towards people, there have been people who have deeply wounded me, and it became clear to me, when I'm in heaven... I'm not going to feel this way about them. And some of these people are believers and they will be in heaven with me. And these things, I don't, I don't think we'll laugh about them because some of these things are incredibly painful. They probably still will feel, Oh, I wish I had, of course they will feel like they wish they had not done it. And I will feel like I wish I hadn't, but that resentment and that, that hatred, if I'm honest, that I can't get rid of wasn't there. And then I realized, well then, then in the kingdom of God where I exist, that doesn't, all I'm doing is manifesting what Jesus has already done. That yeah. I am just, I'm choosing to live in that reality. And it doesn't magically make it go away. Like you said, there's a work on my part to exist. But it does make it easier where I'm going, all I have to do is allow what Jesus has already done to apply to this situation. Mm-hmm. Jesus has reconciled people to God and to one another. It is, a, it is a present reality. All I have to do is, like you said, thin place, just get myself to exist in that reality. That's the belief part that I'm immersing myself in. That's the truth. And it is easier to now love this person or to deal with whatever kind of issue comes my way. Mm. That's good. I got nothing to add to that. I don't either. That was really good. Um, so we've, we saw a story on Sunday of someone, uh, our friend Dusty, who mm-hmm. shared his story with us, which was uh, 
outstanding. He did mm-hmm. a great job. And uh, he talked about going from just believing in Jesus to actually following Jesus. Right. Uh, and I, and I, there, a lot of people don't understand there's a difference. Right. But, it, and it, but I think you saw when he finally made the, the separation and realized there is a difference. Everything changed, and he talked about that. Um, let's talk about some of the things that we've seen. Uh, and you can talk about this personally if you want to talk about yourself, or you can talk about other people that you've seen, uh, people like Dusty. What are some key differences that you see people make when they finally get that switch, going from believe in to following uh, disciple, from just believer to disciple? Uh, what, what are the things that are marks of that that you've seen? Uh, I, I always think a, a key mark, and I know this has been true for me at every point where I'm willing to follow. Uh, this probably says a lot more about me maybe than everybody else. My pride has to first get out of the way. And, uh, I have to admit that I'm off my, I don't know why it's so hard for me to admit that I'm off on things that even things that don't serve me very well, mm-hmm. that don't help me very much. And once I can get past that, then it's pretty easy because I've already said Jesus is right. It's just generally there's an area where I don't want to admit I was completely wrong. He is right, but mm-hmm. I'm sort of right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just don't want to go there. So then there becomes a humility of, you know, the works of the kingdom are evident. They produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-report. Against those kind of things, there don't need to be any law. And the works of darkness are also evident in that things that cause disunity and strife and anger and hatred and worry. And so in me, as I've grown, if I see these works, I mean, if I, it doesn't take a smart farmer to go, hey, dude, you thought you're getting watermelons and you got briars. (laughs) Maybe you planted briars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe that's how you get them. Maybe mm-hmm. what you're seeing come out of your life is not odd. Maybe it's what you should have expected because of what you had believed and decided. So that if you want this other, you may need to just decide Jesus is right. Mm. So for me, that's where it's changed. I I tend to be a little bit quicker these days to look at myself and go, uh, when I begin to heat up, I go, oh. That's not coming from the right place. Right. There's no need. There's no need to get all it. When you have the truth, the truth doesn't. And I've, I've known this my whole life. I remember a professor said, you know, you do not have to defend. If Jesus is the lion, no lion needs to be defended. He just needs to be unleashed. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's good. So he said, you do not have to defend the truth. Yeah. If the truth of Jesus is a lion, just say it. You just say it calmly. You don't have to get amped up. Mm-mm. Just say it. Truth will defend itself. Yes. yes. Yeah. But I have this way of getting amped up and, you know, my body starts running <laughs> fast. And Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's funny you talk about, because now here's your Enneagram uh, <laughs> reference for the Yay. week. I'm a one. And uh, you talk about being right. <laughs> that's that's the whole whole lean of my uh, personality type is is being right, getting things right, doing them the right way the right time, right people, getting everything right. And um, I can remember in my very early days and and being in the position that I am revealed a lot of this to me. 
you know, you talk about marriage revealing something and you just being a pastor <laughs> has revealed things to me that in my own personal life, uh, dealing with people within the church, uh, especially on those early days when I was uh, working with kids and I was dealing with parents, um, I, I, I could not admit to being wrong about anything. It was like mm. a, it was like a personal defeat for me if I ever made a mistake or if I ever, you know, s- said something and then had to go back and, you know, realize, oh, that, that was a little off. You know, you gotta, you need to apologize for that. You need to back off of that position. It was, man, it was so difficult for me. It felt like a, it was a humiliating thing. It was, it was hard. You know, I think we all struggle with apologies, but for me, it was like death. And, um, I saw it in my professional life. I, I could see it in my marriage. And, um, for me, following Jesus and being his disciple has and like you said, probably broken down the pride enough to where I'm not there yet, but I am much more comfortable these days in being wrong <laughs> and and saying so and even starting conversations with look that this is probably not right. <laughs> but here here's where I'm at. Or, you know, when I do realize that it's coming to a place of, yeah, you know, that I'm I'm changed on that. You know, I've changed my I've changed positions on things. Imagine that. You know, I learned some things and that was so hard in the beginning, but I think because of because of Jesus and His presence in my life, He's made me much more okay with that. Because, like you said, I don't have to defend, right? Because of you know what's there to defend. Right. I'm certainly not worth defending, right. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I think it's huge. I think both of you guys have kind of hit on this. I think my I think my answer to what would be a, a clear mark of it is. I think it's when a person begins, I think the first step obviously is just the obedience part, like just saying wherever you're at, whatever the next step is that you feel like God's leading you to do, you know, that's always the first thing. You got to start following Jesus. You, you know, he's moving this way, you're going this way. But and when you talked about response time, it's kind of what I think of. The quicker I begin to recognize, oh, that's where God is. I thought one of the most profound things that Dusty said, I loved it. I left it in twice because he actually said it a few times. Is he said, when I got to the point where I got to go where God is, mm-hmm. stop getting, I got to, I, I just, I went to where God is. And mm-hmm. I just think that's so, that has been the biggest learning for me over the past few years of my life is that God is active. I mean, it goes back to the kingdom stuff. God's actively at work. And, you know, you can pretty much always tell one thing that God's always going to be at work as he's involved in the lives of the poor and the powerless and the oppressed and things of that nature. He is always working in those fields. And so you can always look at that and go, well, if God's there, then I probably need to be doing something on that end. But God's at work in every moment and every interaction I have. And the more I can see that and the quicker I begin to recognize, oh, that's the voice of God. And so the thing that's been clearest to me is that the voice of God isn't telling me to go places. Uh, I used to think it was like God was going to show up to me, and, you know, and very, very, you know, when we talk about kind of mystical, very mystical, God's going to show up and go, Nathan, I want you to go seven houses down and turn <laughs> And, you know, like these very specific, but just kind of enigmatic commands that then would all become clear one day. I actually think God often is just parenting us. And, you know, um, I heard someone once say that you wouldn't want a, a teenager at least that you were constantly having to give commands to they should already know what to do by the time often what you're doing for teenagers and older children is you're trying to ask probing questions yeah. to get them to learn how to apply what they already know to do That's that right. we just often don't know how this command applies to this situation and so often the things the voice of god to me is often saying 
Nathan, why are you so afraid? Or Nathan, why are you so angry? Or Nathan, why are you so this? Or, you know, other kind of things that are revealing something about me, which when it comes down to it, that is what I love about the Enneagram is it's a tool that I believe God can help us to use to see what's going on in me. It gives me language and images to wrap around why I'm so afraid or why I'm always in the same situations. You know, Mm -hmm. there are lots of these kind of tools. Other people are great ways to kind of speak that truth of that. And then the other thing is God's often revealing things about himself to me of, hey, I know you think I'm like this. I'm not like this. And so I've been do. I think this is my fourth discipleship group. And every time, uh, not necessarily every single person, but at some point, we just had one today, and I don't want to share the story, but I mean, it was just an amazing story. One of my guys sent an email, and the story was, and I don't even think he could see it, but once again, as the disciple leader, I'm trying to kind of spiritually parent on that end and show him, hey, you did hear the voice of God, and that was God just telling you to do something that you wouldn't have done. You normally would have responded by uh, ignoring that person or maybe even snapping back at them, but you responded in gentleness and humility, and look at the world that got opened up. And as I said, it's the kingdom of God manifesting in that moment. You did something the opposite way of you would, and it was just like, and every person has had that. I would even say people who necessarily aren't believers have had moments that all out of nowhere, you just did something that wasn't in your nature, and it was like, this other world opened up where things, you were like, this is a, it's Alice in Wonderland. It's a magical place where all yeah. these things happen. And it's because in that moment, there was just, you were getting these glimpses. And I, so I think it begins with obedience. Do what I know God wants me to do. And as I do that, I can recognize God's voice to, to apply what I know to do to things I would never have applied it to. Yep, that's good stuff. Yeah, man. So... This Sunday, we're going to wrap that thought up, and we'll we'll talk more about specifics next week. But before we end today, you already alluded to it, Ed. I want to give you a shot at telling us what's coming two weeks from today, mm-hmm. from this week. First week of August. First week of so, August, that's right. Um, I have been feeling led for a good while to talk to our congregation. You know, we, we are not a uh, current affairs kind of place in that we address current affairs. We do some on the podcast, but our church for the whole time, um, we are not, hey, let's get the newspaper or like anybody reads a newspaper. <laughs> Ripped from the headline. Yeah, yeah with that we go online and we go, let's talk about this today. Right. But there comes a point where what's going on in the world intersects with what uh, we know our calling is as pastors that need to be addressed. And we are living in a unique time and everything that we are trying to help allow God to do through us and in our church is being confronted with this present moment. And so in a couple of weeks, we're going to start a series called uh, Christians in the Age of Outrage. And I think that's a great uh, title for the present day we're in, that we seem to be addicted, and I didn't coin that. That's somebody else that coined that a few years ago, that our current age is an age where everybody is outraged about something at some moment. People are just on the edge and... uh, how are we to be Christians in that? How are we to be people who go into these thin places? What's our response when the world is outraged? How does the light shine brightest in that? I'll give you a clue. It's probably not by being louder. Mm. Oh, that's good. <laughs> it's probably that's good. It's probably not by you getting geared up more. Yeah. Uh, so 
you know, a few years ago, we tried to address this again. Some of you remember we did a series called Bridging the Divide, and Mm -hmm. that was – but I look back to that time, which is now maybe two and a half years ago. Yeah, Yeah, it was like 2017. And the level of that feels like here, Mm -hmm. and our level currently feels like here. Yeah. And that – We've gone from there's a divide to we're just outraged about everything. (laughs) Everything's an issue, and everybody's on one side or the other, and we're just mad all the time. Mm. And the tension, people are wearing it. Oh, yeah. So everywhere. That's what we're going to start talking about, and we're going to invite everybody. We don't do this all the time. We haven't done it in a long time, where if you're not even a small group, we're going to ask you, hey, at least for that series, would you agree to get in a a group for that series? It'll only be five, six six weeks. For you to get in that and talk with other people about it so that we can begin not just to hear about it, but we can begin to discuss how we can be the people God wants us to be. Uh, to discuss that, we're going to have some daily meditation yep. stuff that we're going to do to take people through. So we want you to subscribe on YouTube, Facebook, uh, Instagram to be a part of the social media part of that, that we're going to give you some daily kind of prayer meditation stuff to do together. But we really want to try to make a difference because moving toward our election, things aren't going to get better most mm, likely. No. But we can be better. We. Yes, yes. We can be better. And if all of us would be better, we can, we can become thin places where the kingdom of God can break in. Mm-hmm. And it can be a starting point. I'm working right now on the small group material that we're going to be using during this six-week period. And I'm telling you, that there's some of the most practical, user-friendly type stuff that we've got coming that you and a, a few people could can really put some feet to this thing mm-hmm. and actually we can do some things and, and like you said we can't change everything we can't change everybody but if we start with us there can be a huge difference in this the, all the stuff that people tell me i'm so tired of of all this and i go well let's do something about yeah it. let's do something about we can that. do something so that's what we're going to tackle so hope you guys will be with us for that all right yeah. We're done. That's it. That all was right. fun, guys. All I enjoyed right. that conversation. Yeah, it was good. Me it was a really too. good conversation. I hope y'all enjoyed it too. How about we do it next week? We'll Same be right back here. Week. All right. See Joel, you you're gonna come back? Maybe. <laughs> all right. All right. We'll find out next week. <laughs>